Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Yeah, but you have to start with the assumption that that the transformation happens in tiny little increments, right? Tiny little increments. So I don't know if you've ever done rock climbing, but when you're rock climbing, you don't go for the farthest reach. You take the tiny little steps to get there because that's what gets you there safely and without exhaustion. And it's the same when we're parenting is, is we're looking for the little wins one little win at a time. And very often when we have complex kids, our kids need a win. And if we step in and we say, I'm going to have to take this over, we actually prevent them from the opportunity to learn, to see what they could have done well enough and where the, where the gaps were and to learn from that. Everybody and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Truth Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and right there, it's Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete. Oh, Nikki. Nikki, Nikki, it's a it's a parenting it's a parenting show. It is. I feel like we we need mm, it. I love it. <laughs> We're hungry for it. Oh yes. Uh, I'm going to start off with a story. I'm not going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you when we get our guests on here because I think it's going to give us a way to start uh, talking. It's a parenting moment that uh, I I'm not afraid to admit threw me a little bit sideways. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. It ended well. I'm okay. Everybody's okay. But parenting, it's amazing, especially parenting within the storm of ADHD. So fun. So fun. Um, We've got our our return guests. They're fantastic from Impact Parents today. And we're going to talk all about uh, families and how we can, as parents, help implement tools to help our kids become independent and confident and strong and And not be afraid that they're going to, you know, miss something important or, you know, forget to go to the dentist. I don't know. It's stuff. It's stuff. And and so we're we're excited to have our guests back today. They are wonderful people. We'll introduce them momentarily. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and we will send you an email each week when new episodes drop. Connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change for your life for the better, if you've ever found that you understand your relationship with ADHD in some new way, we invite you to consider supporting the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. A few bucks a month 
guarantees that this show will continue to grow and that you get some perks. Perks like joining us for the live stream of this show as we record it. That's always fun. We always stick around with our guests after the end of, of our podcast recording, and we get to ask them questions that don't make it to the final show. If you're a member of the show, you get access to those live streams. You can join us and ask your questions directly to our guests. That is a super great perk, and you should take advantage of it. Just one of many, head over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. Do we have news for the people, Nikki Kinsker? No. What? It's a slow news day. Slow news <laughs> day. Yeah. Outstanding. I know, right? We can get right into the interview. All that housekeeping out of the way. Let's go ahead and talk to Diane and Elaine. Dempster and Elaine Taylor-Klaus are back from Impact Parents. Now, you'll remember them. They've been back a couple of times before. It was originally Impact ADHD, but that was that was too small a pond. Now it's Impact Parents, and they're amazing. They are podcasters and coaches, and they teach other coaches how to be coaches, and they help a lot of parents. Today, they're here to talk to us about how families can implement tools they learn in real ways to help our kids be independent and successful. Diane and Elaine. Thanks for coming back. We're always happy to come and visit you. Welcome. Indeed. Welcome, Indeed. welcome. So my daughter, she's 19 now. Oh, we've talked Ooh, about her before. Fun, I'm sure we've better. talked about her before. She's We're 19. jumping right in. Yeah, yeah. This is going to get ready. Well, look. Look, you say what what I hear is we're going to be talking about how families can implement tools they learn in real ways that can help our kids be independent and successful. And so I have this kiddo. 19. Wait, can I just even before you say anything, I want to say yeah. and even if she was nervous coming to you, you're already scoring a parenting win because she came to you. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So has nothing props. to do. She's well, and you know, we've spent a lot of years trying to get some something right. She right. has been working at a primitive skills camp all summer. She's a teacher there. She leads kids in teaching primitive survival skills. She goes into the mountains on a Monday and comes back on a Friday, and she's training with other people her age and demeanor. And we have worked for so long to help her with social skills and confidence and all these things. And this is like the pinnacle experience because she's without us. She hasn't gone to college yet because she did her first year at home. And she comes home. I pick her up at the train station and she gets in the car. And we've been doing this all summer. So I have these Friday events with her. All summer, she comes home. She says, yeah, it was great. I had a great time. No other real significant stories. And this time she comes in, she gets in the car and she says, before you go, <gasps> she puts her hands up over her mouth, her fists up oh, over her mouth. Her and heart. I said, what? what is going on? She said, I have to tell you something before you move the car. I said, what, what happened? Did something happen? Are you hurt? Are you okay? She said, I got a tattoo. <laughs> That's a primitive skill? Apparently. Apparently. I don't want to know what they used yeah. to do. Well, as it turns out. It was out, berries and... <laughs> No, it's actually legit. She and her one of her uh, uh, campmates or teachers uh, happens to moonlight as a tattoo artist during the off season and had her whole tattoo gun and inks and everything with her. With her on the trip. She had her kit in the woods. She right? had her kit in the van and they <laughs> it was midnight and they sat around the campfire and gave each other tattoos. And it's a it's a lovely, just very sort of austere mountainscape with 
a little moon over it, and it's on the top of her foot. It's it's very classy. And the first thing I said was, ah, you did it without me. Like, oh. I kind of wanted a tattoo, too. Oh. And so I feel like That's she kind of scared me. Like, oh, goodness. It was so fun. But apparently she was not scared to talk to me at all about it. She knew that the worst thing that would come would I would be mad because we didn't go together and get, like, matching tattoos. Right. Yeah. She was really terrified to talk to mom. And mom was also, okay, like, I feel like we did all right. <laughs> uh, it, it was just a sign. I was so excited to talk to you guys today because I, I feel like we... Um, that there is this sort of collective, oh my gosh, I think everything I do, I'm breaking my kid. And it turns out even when they get the tattoo, uh, it, you know, even it, when they when they do things that are that are outside of our worldview of expectations of them, uh, I I just I feel like that's like they do it with grace and joy and enthusiasm. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of a win. And I really Huge just wanted win. to celebrate that with all of you I today. Love that. So, so oftentimes if, if a client was coming to us with this story, we would start ticking off. Okay. What were, what were the successes? What were the wins? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So as we started, huge win, she told you. Yes. Huge win. Let's be honest, no offense to mom, but she wanted to tell you first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because she wasn't as afraid of you or of yeah. your response. Right. Um, you have enough of a relationship and connection that she knew you would kind of feel left out and disappointed. Yeah. Right. So that mm-hmm. that speaks to your relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an authenticity. She didn't doubt it would be around. And let's be honest, she she chose a pretty meaningful tattoo for her. Mm-hmm. So she's not just like marring her body. She actually went and did something that has a significance to her. Mm-hmm. Right. So she's got right. values and she's reflecting her values. Mm-hmm. So that's what I say. Well, and you Diana, know that, you yeah, I was going to say the, and the value there, which is a, a great opportunity for you. And I bet you took it, Pete, was the fact that she did it with all these friends, yeah. right? It's just sort of, it was something they did in community together it was this bonding moment. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's like I had this vision of them in the woods with the drums beating in the background. <laughs> and, they kind of. well, thing, and you right? said she'd been in social skills groups over yes. along the years. Yeah. So like this was not right. a prescribed, you know, inauthentic experience. This was a real, as Diane said, bonding community event. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing she celebrates most, the first picture she shows everyone is all four of their feet looking right. down with okay. all of their tattoos on of of mountains uh, on all of their feet it is it, they're just different mountains but all mountains and and to celebrate that together for them gives me like i mean my cup runneth over like th- yeah. that is the the sort of joy like i i feel like she is a joyous punchline at the end of a you know now 15 year joke of us you know <laughs> setup of us trying to figure <laughs> yes. out how to live how every you- day yeah, yeah. Well, so Pete, what, I mean, the question I want to ask is, I mean, I hear you celebrating, which is awesome. Is there part of this that you're like, holy crap, what's, you know, is there, is there, is there another side of it? Is there an upset of anything? Uh, well, upset, no. Abject terror, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because, because now it's, it's, there's so much I realize that is out of, of, of obviously. And, and I, I've realized intellectually. Wait, finish the sentence out of yeah. your control. Control, of course. <laughs> and, and I realize, but see, that's important because intellectually, yeah, yeah intellectually, I've known that for a long time. Like right. I haven't been able to influence her, you know, in, in many years. But in my heart, I realized that I had not let go of that. So, so I'm going to challenge your language a little bit. Can I play with it? 
Yeah. I would argue that you have great influence. Mm -hmm. You haven't controlled in a long time, which is appropriate. And and exactly what you needed to do was to begin to relinquish control and transfer it to her. But you've maintained relationship, which is how you've maintained influence, which is why she got a, a beautiful mountainscape tattoo in a subtle place instead of something that could have been really horrific. Like <laughs> a broken sucks. heart with dad written in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. there's just, there's so much juicy stuff. And, and we've been doing a huge amount of work this year in 2021 with parents of young adults. And so you just kind of yeah. spoke mm-hmm. right to so many of the pieces of it because it's all about communication and connection and relationship and control. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. I didn't even know that this was going to be such a, a rich field. I feel like this yeah. is going to be a, so. um, a, a few minutes of, of co- them coaching us. I know. Yeah, exactly. Because it, and it also, it sounds like I need it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you did great. Well, you should feel no, really you proud did of great. yourself. Thank you. You did great, great. Yeah. One of the things that we're dealing with is I have a son who's going into his freshman year of college. And mm-hmm. we, up to this point, have really tried to let him do his thing and, and you know, get registered and, and enroll and get his housing. And, you know, he's getting all the emails. I've told him I'm not getting them. You're going to have to do it. And, you know, I had to step in last week because he missed his, his orientation that's required. And, um, so I had to be a little bit more aggressive with hands on. Yeah. Hands on. So my question (laughs) <laughs> is what is too hands-on and what is okay you know he yeah. he needs to figure this out so if he doesn't do it there's this natural consequence that maybe he doesn't go to school this term which seems really harsh but that would be harsh uh, you know yes yeah. so curious what you guys think independence how independent should they be <laughs> Well, we talk about the difference between supporting versus Uh, enabling, right? It's this sort of fine line, right? And and the challenge, and I think you're bumping up against it, Nikki, and and we do workshops about this all the time, is that you know how to be in charge and you know how to let him be in charge. And the reality is what he needs right now is the space in between. And so it's that sort of how do you step into this? Becoming independent is a process, It's not just this magic moment where it's like, okay, all of a sudden you're in college, you get to be independent now. And, you know, too bad if you miss your deadline. I mean, it's, there are sometimes you want to let your kids make mistakes and, and fail and feel the natural consequences. There are other times where it's like, you know, the, the stakes are too high, too high for you, too high for them. And you want to stay a little bit closer, but you don't want to, you don't want to be like all in controlling the whole thing because they want to be able to be more independent. Elaine, what would you add? So, so, so many things. Um, So what Diane's speaking to, there's a framework we teach that there are four phases in parenting, right? Phase one is the director mode. We all start there. We're usually pretty good at it, right? We could do this for a long time. Phase two is collaboration. That's where we begin to share the agenda with our kid. Phase three is support. Now they've taken on the agenda and we're more in, move into support role. One of my clients this week said, so so you mean I'm supposed to be the roadie? Yeah, you're the roadie at this mm-hmm. point, right? And then phase four is when they're independent, champ- you're championing them independently. So as Diane said, most of our work as parents happens in collaboration and support, collaboration and support. And the, the 
the game is to figure out when are we sharing the agenda because he may not be ready to do it completely independently on his own. And when does he really have it and we move into support role? Mm. So in this case, but, you may, you you started with, okay, I'll, uh, you, you're on it. You're on your own. That may even be phase four. So what would it look like to move back to phase three to support role? Like you're on it and how can I help? Yeah. What do you need from me? Give me a job so that so that you're still interactively engaging with him around it mm-hmm. so that he doesn't feel completely lost because he doesn't really know how he he's doesn't. never done this before. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. An important context is that it's not like all or nothing. It's not like you're always the director or always the supporter or the collaborator. It's every situation. So you may be total champion with regard to you know, this part of their life, but you may need to be more of a collaborator. And, and finances is a great example where parents collaborate with their kids on, on finances. I had a mom this morning with a 30-year-old who's, her daughter showed up on their doorstep yesterday who said, my credit cards are all maxed. I need help. Will you please help me unravel from this financial drama? And she needs them to step into a, a supportive role. Um, even at 30. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm thinking about, so my eldest kid and part, I think, cause I keep thinking tattoo, 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 right? Yeah. Because yeah. The, when we, we, our rule with them just as a funny aside was you have to be on your own insurance and you can have a tattoo when you're on your insurance, as long as you're on our, you know, no tattoos. <laughs> oh, which mean, was you fine. mean getting non-sterile woodland tattoos we would clear. not have fit the rule? Oh, only okay. only like at age rule. 19, we see in social media, tattoo, 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 tattoo. So of course my <laughs> husband picks up the phone and calls and she's like, I just got SAG insurance. Great. <laughs> oh, so anyway, that's the kid I'm thinking about because because my eldest child, they are very independent now and functioning and you know married, living on their own, but became an actor at a very early age. Mm-hmm. And so when they moved out to California and we're here in Georgia, there were things where they were taking it on their own, getting up, going to school, getting to rehearsals, all that stuff was theirs. But as Diane said, the financial stuff was still on our plate for many years. Um, the health insurance wasn't until the tattoo, <laughs> you know, but we would navigate with each other. Where are you ready to take it independently? And where do you still need my help? And what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. So it was a conscious conversation. It wasn't just to throw my hands up in the air. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Well, I it, think that gets to that. That absolutely gets to the the challenge that I feel like I'm living in every day, which is that liminal space, right? Yes. That, that like I feel like I've walked into the woods and it's really dark, and my kids are in there too, and neither of us know what we're doing, but we're kind of finding our way, looking for the other side, and the degree to which we're walking out and walking back in the other way changes from conversation to conversation, right? And it's, you can that... hear the Sondheim musical. Yeah. And it does. The, yes. the, 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 you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you can hear uh-huh. the tones, right? There are giants in the sky. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Believe well, and me. Here's the, I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, Pete, but the other piece of it that, that I want to highlight is that you have this amazing relationship, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people who are listening may be at the point where they're, young adult or teenager or whatever <laughs> middle right? schooler where they're like at fisticuffs with each other because of this. And I would say that this is the dynamic that happens is that the parents know the kids can't be completely independent, but the parents don't know how to do yeah. anything other than yeah. direct. And the kids are like, mom, leave me alone. Get out of my business. Well, 
and mom doesn't know how to do anything well, other than and that. what happens is the mom's been directing so long that she then says often she could be he the parent says fine you're on your own and they throw their hands up and then the kid fails because they don't know how right. to do it and then the parent takes that as justification to say see i told you you needed me instead of really collaboratively working with the kid to figure out where can you do it independently and where do you need me to pull back the, the metaphor we used to use for this a lot I switched to the metaphor of riding a, a of a of a horse, right? Handing over horse the reins. Race. We used to talk about the metaphor of you know passing the baton in a relay race. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you pass the baton, you make sure they have a hold of it before you let go. This mm-hmm. is the extent of my knowledge of re- relay races. Right here, you've just got. <laughs> But but what happens with parents is that we don't do them one at a time, and then we throw all ten real batons at the kids at one time, and then expect them to catch them. And then they all drop, and they miss the orientation. You're on your own. Oh, I wish that was the Olympic sport, you guys. (laughs) Somebody runs and throws ten batons. That's uh, pretty much the can. U.S. team for the last 15 years anyway. So, <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, just that, if you can hold that image, our job is to give them one baton at a time yeah. and make sure they've got it before we let go. And then they've got that one. And then we give them another one. And we just, yeah. that's the job. And it, we we do it from seven to six. 27, mm-hmm. you know, well, 17. I, yeah. So, so I'm going to go back to Nikki. Cause like you were talking about mm-hmm. your son. So what do you think, what, where do you think he needed you to be? Yeah. Great question. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think that, um, and I may be assuming this. And so I probably do need to talk to him more about it. I don't think he's been taught to not keep things in his head. Uh And so I think part of it was a real legit, I mean, it was really an honest mistake. He thought it was on Saturday, the 28th, when it was actually on Tuesday, the 24th. And when he, you know, got the email that he read two days later, yeah, that he missed it. And so I think that, um, I think that part of it is I was expecting him to be a little bit more prepared and ready than he is. And I don't mm-hmm. think he is. I, I don't think he's organized enough to to think, oh, I should probably write this down and, and put it somewhere to remember, oh, this really is important, you know? So so here's my question, Vicki. Mm-hmm. When he came to you to tell you, was he appropriately concerned? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. No, was he concerned at all? Not freaked out, stressed out, but was he concerned like, oh, I missed this. Can you help me figure this out? No, he didn't ask just, me. Oh, he well. just in passing said, you know, I, I was because he was going to work and I said, oh, well, when's your orientation? And he not that. And I didn't even know he missed it. And okay. he's like, oh, I missed it. It was today. And I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do? And oh, I'm just going to sign up for another one. I I contacted my person. and Okay. Yeah. So he handled it. Yeah, I mean, he said he contacted. Yeah, I mean, he contacted the the admissions person that was helping him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he handled it. Right? Kind so of. no, he may not have made it to the first <laughs> one, but he scheduled another one. He realized he needed to go. He- well, but see, that's where I stepped in because he he said he got he he messaged his um helper but then i ended up stepping in i oh i probably am not a good parent i ended up like getting you're not a bad parent <laughs> i 
but, not but, but, but it's not. a great place to look. It's like, did he need you to step in or did you decide he needed I you th- to step in? I decided in? because then I got onto the website and there was only two like sessions left. And so then I contacted the school and asked if he could be put onto the list on Saturday. And they right. said, yes, but he needs to contact us uh, directly because I understand that in college, and I told him that I'm like, I'm out. Like they don't want me. They want you. And it did get worked out, but yeah, I did. I stepped right in and said, do this. And I almost like forced him because he had gotten his second vaccine shot and he wasn't feeling very well. And I'm like, you need to text these people and let them know that you're going to be there on Saturday. Oh my God, I'm so bad because I even said, if you want me to, te- <laughs> no. if you want to, me to text it for you from your phone, I'll do it. I just want you to make sure that you go to this thing on Saturday. And this is the, this is the pattern, Nikki, right? It's this sort of, it's okay. But what, what happens is we want our kids to be able to be independent, but then when they're not, we get scared and totally, we freak out. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we freak out and just remember the voice in your head, when you freak out, the voice in your head is going to say, I have to take care of this. I'm the only one that has can take care of this and I have to take care of it right this minute, right? It's just sort of, that's that's the oh, freak totally. out place. And if, and if you're acting from that, you're yeah. going to And I will not I mean, be able to normal. rest until I, I get this off until, my list, yes. right? So if we were coaching around this, we might ask something like, what would the collaborative approach look like here? What would it look like once you knew what the deadline was and what the need was, how could you have still had that conversation but done it collaboratively instead of directively. And that's that's the shift. And it's very possible it could still be you sending the text from his phone, but you want him to be the one telling you to send to the text it. from his phone yeah, instead I, of you saying, I'm going to send a text from your phone. I, right? I that's think the it shift. Is a, it, it, there's a huge shift there. And I think that there's this like, and I don't know if this is normal or not, but there's just this lack of trust that he's going to do it. And so you know, then, and then that worries me, but then I'm thinking, okay, but if he doesn't, then he's probably not ready to go to college right now. So, yeah. So what if it's not that black and right. white? Yeah. Because See, the I know, reality right? is I totally that think of it. this is a kid with executive function challenges and it's not that he's never done this, you know, before. you have to, but he's, yeah. never, he's never done this before. So if we wait until they've got all the executive function skills that they might need ever possibly for any scenario that they might come across in college before we send them out the door. We're not serving them and we're, and we're not right. serving okay. us. Okay, I got, I got an analogy, but it's going to be off for a minute, but I promise I'll bring it back, okay? Recent <laughs> more, research, more Olympic analogies, right? <laughs> not, not, not Olympic. Research okay. has shown that, that men will only need to feel 30% qualified to apply for a job. Women (laughs) need to feel 100% qualified before they're willing to apply for a job. Oh, I love this. Okay. So it's very, very similar. He's got 30%. I got this. And you are waiting for him to hit 100%. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But there's like a plus six modifier for maternal instinct, right? And And, then you got the minus six for ADHD. Yeah. So I I feel like um, the, 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 this is what I meant by that dark space that, that yeah. is just the uncertainty of, of like, I have 17 other years <laughs> of being conditioned that they're going to drop the ball if I'm not right there to catch it. 
right? Yeah. I am conditioned to expect to have to to be not just parentally collaborating, but literally like making lunch collaborating in order to make sure that things happen. And the act of letting go of that, of expect, of learning to expect more is I'm finding has to be a practice like meditation, like every single day. It's so hard. Yeah, it is. And the people who are listening, who have kids who are younger than Mm -hmm. all of ours, right? It's just sort of, I want to, I want to talk to you Mm -hmm. for a minute because the process of your kids becoming independent doesn't happen the day they turn 18. No, it starts right now, where whatever age your kid is. Right now. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so if you're working on, let's say you're working on um making sure they get their homework done and turned in, or you're working on making sure that they uh clean their room on a Saturday, whatever it is, right? It's just sort of you shouldn't just shouldn't. Wow, I just should on yourself. It's not enough to just focus on cleaning the room today. How do I get them to clean the room today? Because I'm going to nag, mm-hmm. I'm going to beg, I'm going to clean, I'm going to do whatever. I also have to be focused on how do I help them to do it more independently this time and then the next time and then the next I time. I got a story, mm-hmm. okay? True story, text thread in the book. My son was going to a sleepaway leadership whatever camp at about 16. And he is, I've got it, I'm the best packer in the family. I don't need you, da 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 fine. And I'm like, fine, you got it. You're on. And he gets to this camp. Fortunately, it was a camp where he still had access to a phone, um, where I get a text that's like, um, I forgot the sheets. Okay. The text thread goes on for the next 24 hours back and forth with sheets, um, pillowcase, laundry bag, you know, all these things that I'm very calmly texting back. It's like, cool. What do you, what do you want? What do you need? You know? And when I like, well, if, if I get it there overnight, that's going to be $72 or whatever it was. If you give me, you know, if it's a couple of days, it'll only cost you $30. Right. I'll take the $30. Okay. So we're back and forth. He's being very respectful in this text exchange. Oh yeah. And it's the very last one is, um, could you maybe put a pillow in too? <laughs> oh, bless his heart. <laughs> so he slept for a couple of nights borrowing stuff from friends and using a sweatshirt as a, say, as a yeah. pillow. Mm-hmm. And and it was a fabulous lesson that I could not have scripted mm-hmm. for him. But I had to be willing to allow him to go to camp without sheets. Yeah. And that doesn't make me a bad mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That because yeah. Because the stakes were what they were, right. and I knew it was a safe place. Right. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Diane's point is really important. College registration is different. I mm-hmm. would, I did take a different approach around college registration with the same kid. Mm-hmm. But whenever we can find these opportunities for them to what Diane and I call fail forward mm-hmm. from their oh, experiences. I love that. Right? Oh, I love that. Fail forward. Right. What worked? What didn't work? What are you going to do differently next yeah. time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's. But you've got to find a safe space right. to do that, right? And yeah. you've got to, and the other thing is that Elaine and her son had the relationship where that can yeah. And the text thread is hysterical, by the way. <laughs> if you ever oh get goodness. a chance That's to read it, it's really funny. And and in fact, it was so funny that when I read it, I was re- when I was preparing the book, he was coming down the stairs and he heard me saying something about it like two, three years later. And that was even funnier because he's like, man, you really got me. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that the whole metaphor too. And I'm going to latch onto that because in the spirit of driving towards 
independence. Mm-hmm. you know, that that idea of failing forward does not stop momentum in that regard, because it's really easy for the parental vibe to step in. And for me to actually halt the journey to independence and not even know I'm doing it. Yeah, right. Great observation. Yeah, I have a question for you guys. I don't know if you find this a lot in your uh, work or not. But what about pressure from grandparents? Uh, (laughs) You know, because Pressure yeah. from everybody, whether it's grandparents or Aunts, school, school or teachers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the, the piece I would say is, yes, there's mm-hmm. pressure. And and I used that word should a few minutes ago. It's this sort of, if you can let go, we call it shedding the shoulds, right? So if you can let go of the shoulds, whether it's from your parents or from the school or from just your, your brain going, but he should be able mm-hmm. to do this, right? And, and, or she should be able to do this. Go back to meeting them where they are and raising the bar from there, right? It's just sort of, I want to challenge my kids to be more independent, but I don't want to stand up at the, you know, up here and go, you should be able to do this and you can't. I want to say, well, what can they do independently? And what is a little more independent might look like, right? It's just sort of, and I think that that's the piece of it is that we don't look for the baby steps as parents. We think it's either I have to do it or they have to do it 100%. And we aren't looking for that stuff in between where you're working together or you are have an agreement that you'll check in once a week or you'll, ha- you know, you'll have an agreement that you'll work on the first three things together and then they'll try one on their own. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to find that middle ground. Yeah, but you have to start with the assumption that, that the sh- transformation happens in tiny little increments right? Tiny little increments. So I don't know if you've ever done rock climbing, but when you're rock climbing, you don't go for the farthest reach. You take the tiny little steps to get there because that's what gets you there safely and without exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And it's the same when we're parenting is, is we're looking for the little wins, one little win at a time. And very often when we have complex kids, our kids need a win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we Mm -hmm. step in and we say, I'm going to have to take this over, we actually prevent them from the opportunity to learn, to see what they could have done well enough and where the, where the gaps were and to learn from that. Mm -hmm. But even taking that step in between, instead of saying, okay, I'll help you to say, Hey, do you need help? Anything I can do? Is there a place I can, anything I can do? Give me, you used that language before, like, give me a job. I'm happy to help you. Just tell me what you need. And sometimes we'll and even, sometimes they won't even know. And sometimes we'll say, okay, your job is to do this. My job is to be the parent. So throw me a bone here. Give me a job. Right. Give me mm-hmm. something to yeah, do. Right. right. And again, but because when we do that, we're actually putting the power back in their seat. Mm-hmm. And this is all about a power dynamic. So we want to keep giving them opportunities to say, yes to to our support because when they say yes to our support that reinforces their sense of self-control so if we come in they feel you know taken taken down but if they're saying yeah can you do that for me now they're delegating yeah and that that keeps them in the driver's seat that keeps them with a sense of agency so i think the piece you know, this is kind of a philosophical context for it all is, but we want to be thinking in terms of really helping our kids have a sense of agency. And what does it look like? What do they feel like they're in control of? Because ADHD makes you feel out of control. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so the yeah. more we can put that back into them and just asking a question where they answer it puts the agency back on their seat. Mm-hmm. Well, and the reality is sometimes our kids get super overwhelmed and they don't know the answer to the question. Okay. So you might say, what, what do I do? And they say, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and they're panicky or they're whatever, or stay out of it or whatever. But if you can even, even we call it scaffolding, you know, take a step closer and say, okay, here are three things that I could do. Give me one of them. I mean, that's very, you know, if, if you get an, I don't know, there's all kinds of things you can do to get them from, I don't know to, okay, yes, mm-hmm. please help. I think this is also great. And it just makes back to the, the point about ADHD and, and your rock climbing metaphor, which is amazing and perfect is that I feel like, uh, you, we don't know the grand strides we have made in the process right. of making them right? We only know them. I only know them when I get to have the tattoo conversation and am immediately slapped in the face with the last eight years of, of little tiny gains right. that we've made to get there. And we don't take enough time to stop and, and actually celebrate those little gains as much as we do the, oh my God, look at what we've done, hindsight gains. You, you know, we have a, we, I told you this year, we've done a lot of work with parenting young adults and I, I yeah. couldn't agree with what you're saying more. We have a new coaching group that we started in March for parents of young adults. So it's mm-hmm. only been running, the rest of our coaching group's been running for like 10 years. Yeah. This one's only about five months. And young adults, we mean like 18 to so whatever, yeah. right? <laughs> okay. And so a new couple came into the group this last week and they hadn't been in all year, but they got a chance to see some of the previous recordings before they came into the group. And when we did celebrations, which we do at the beginning of every call, mm-hmm. they came in and said, we just want to let you guys know, they were talking to the other nine parents in the room, or whatever. We want you to know how much progress you've made Aww. because we can really see the progress you've made in these last five months. Right? Wow. It was just, yeah. it was unbelievable. Yeah. So impactful. Because you could see the impact on the, yeah. it was just the whole room was almost in tears. The Zoom room, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. right? But, but the at the room. end of the day, part of what coaching is about is slowing down and pausing and giving ourselves a chance to see what is working Mm -hmm. instead of just scooting through it. mm -hmm. Like, you know. Well, and the important piece in what you were just saying is is that it takes time. And a lot of times because we talk about taking the marathon view and because we're so anxious to get it fixed right now, because we're all upset and urgent and and that stuff we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. we don't notice that over time, it is getting better, even though it's not fixed completely. It is getting better than it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. That that is absolutely the case. This whole idea that you know, at, at the next turn, there's going to be failure is might always be in the back of my mind. Never in, mm-hmm. in, in unintentionally is it around the next corner. There's going to be success, right? Like I'm not conditioned to expect it. You know, I it is work to expect awesome every day. Right. Well, and, and what if it's not about expecting awesome, but if, what if it's like, oh, wait, maybe this is that time that it they'll get it. Yeah. You know, it's that sort of, if you can focus on, if you can change that, shift that just yeah. a little bit, Pete, and be willing to consider that it might work instead of being convinced that it won't. Well, I think you and I are saying the same thing. For me, awesome is it yeah. might work. <laughs> you know? And, but, and but, you also have to be able to paint the vision, right? Yeah. You have to see what what awesome, what awesome, the next incarnation of awesome looks like because we have this tendency 
So we see this a lot with parents of, of middle school kids and like they, sure. we start catastrophizing because this kid's not going to be able to take care of an apartment when they're 25. And they're that, 12. That's true, but yeah. they're only 12. They're 12. Right? Yeah. They're only yeah. 12. Right. So getting a, a realistic vision yeah. of what's next, what the next step is for them, yeah. what that next increment is, is, is part of a well, lot of our work is shifting expectations. This is yeah. the ADHD problem, though. I mean, my perspective is always projecting the crap I don't trust about myself. Of course. Right. I'm already conditioned not to expect myself to be able to see around that next quarter at all, let right. alone expect awesome. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and it's interesting because, you you know, for with my experience, I think I'm still I my issue is I was only looking at it from my perspective and what I know and my knowledge and not really looking at it from his with what he doesn't know, because why would he know? He's never been to college. He's never had to do these things. But when you said the 30%, it totally makes sense because in his Mm -hmm. mind, he's got it taken care of because he's met every single deadline that he's had to make. You know, he's on his way. It's just really enlightening. Okay. So, so here's my number one tool for parents of young adults. Ready? One question. It's the only question you need other than, you know, having a good relationship and all that other stuff. Ready? (laughs) How do you want me to handle it when? How do you want me to handle it when registration is, I know that there's a registration coming and I'm worried that you might miss a deadline. What would you like me to do? So remember going back to that sense of putting the agency back on them. How do you want me to handle it when you ask me to wake you up in the morning, but when I come in, you shoo me away? How do you want me to handle it when I know you're going to be late for work today because you haven't gotten out of bed yet? Whatever it is, when we ask that question, we call it designing. When we design with our kids and and give them permission to, to direct us in how to support them, then we've got not only the connection and the communication and, you know, a great vibe going there, but you actually know how they want you. Like I, I had a kid at one point who literally asked us to get a spray bottle for water to get them out of bed in the morning. And one of my favorite <laughs> stories of all times was I, this noise and I go upstairs and my husband has got my kid by the ankle, who's got the bed by the by the leg and they're <laughs> scraping across the floor of the bed, the kid and everybody's cracking up. Yeah. We had permission. We did not go into that room with a spray bottle of water because it was our idea. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. the, the, the caution, the caution I want to add to what you're saying, Elaine, is that if, if you're like Nikki and you're worried that your kid is going to screw up and you say, how should I handle it when yeah, you yeah. screw Don't up? They might get a little defensive. <laughs> so I won't do that. Let's just, the, the, you, yeah, no, you want to you want to give yeah. them a chance to 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 make it work, and if it doesn't work, then say, "Hey, if this right. happens, which is well, and I can kind of see that again. happening, or that question being used even with younger, you know, high school and middle school kids too, because yes. you know, mm, especially absolutely. with like um, consequences or whatever you want to call them, like you know, maybe they got uh, a poor grade or they did something. I remember asking like, well, what do you think is fair? What, what do you mm-hmm. think about this? You know? Yeah. And, and really it is amazing because like, especially with my son, if he did something wrong and he, he knew he did something wrong, he would take full gonna... responsibility. And probably put a more punitive response than you mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. most totally. of the time. And when yeah. he didn't think he was wrong, he would fight, 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 fight. 
which always yeah. made me think, okay, I'm not yeah. getting the full story because he was so adamant that he, you know, he had a reason or whatever. But yeah, it is interesting to see, to yeah. hear what they, what they're thinking and saying. Well, that, that would be the secondary question. The first one is, is how do you want me to handle it? Handle it. The second one is what's in it for them. Mm. Mm-hmm. If we can just as parents ask ourselves the question, what's in it for her? Like, because she's not going to do this because we think it's good for her to eat healthy right now so that she grows up and doesn't, you know, like, right. that's not really, we know that's good for her, but that's not what's in it for her. Right. So if mm-hmm. we can ask ourselves that question, it really helps us take their lens. Mm-hmm. Well, and and we talked about this earlier, Elaine, but about agenda, right? And a lot of times as parents, we want our kids to want what we want. Mm-hmm. You know, we want them to clean their room because it's a good thing because to clean we, their room. Because they, they think it's a good idea. They want them to agree with us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Or we, want, or we want them to get good grades because they know that if they get good grades, then they'll get into, I mean, it's like all this stuff that we know as grownups that, you know, that's our agenda. And, and if you're trying to get your kid to do something that's your agenda, but not yet theirs, it doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's a whole other thing than if you're helping your kid figure out something, a problem, solve a problem that they want to solve, not a problem that you want to solve. That's definitely mm-hmm. a place to start. Oh, so Your son wise. wants to get out of that house and go to college. So that's a problem he wants to solve. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It, it's, it's true. <laughs> yep. It's true. Wow. This is so helpful. Thank you guys so much. It's so fun to have like real life examples right now. Current. I didn't, I didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> I'm so, I stand yeah. relieved. That was amazing. Uh, <laughs> I want to, I want them to give, uh, or I want you guys to have some time to talk about your, your coaching programs. Cause I know the sanity school has been around for a long, long time. You have other things that are going on. What is it that you do? How do you help people? What do I, what do our listeners need to know? So we do virtual training and coaching and support for parents. And Part of, and we, we do that for parents of what we call complex kids. So complex kids uh, struggle with life or learning. It's that simple. They may be three, they may be 33, but they're struggling typically with some executive function challenges, whether it's ADHD, autism, anxiety, you name it. There's lots of things that kind of cause executive function challenges. And recommended treatment in that instance is something called behavior training, behavior therapy. And that's really about helping the parents, training the parents to create an environment where the kids can actually change their behaviors. So what we do is train parents and we coach parents so that they can take that information and actually make it practical and sustainable. And we also provide a a supportive community environment. We created Sanity School because we realized that our parents in our coaching program were still missing the foundational training. And I don't, by that, I'm not talking about information. It's not information about what is ADHD or anxiety or learning disabilities, but it's it's the context of what's happening with these complex kids and what's, what's the environment that they need to set them up to be successful, which is really what we've been talking about all day, right? And so we created Sanity School. The secret of Sanity School is what we're really doing is training parents in coaching skills. We're not training them to become coaches. 
but we're teaching them a whole ton of foundational coaching skills to help them improve the way they interact with and communicate with their kids, to help them improve their relationship dynamics, to help them understand the value of that, to help them calm themselves down so that they can build trust and be in relationship with their kids. And when ultimately so that they can be help their kids to become more independent, which is exactly what we've been right. talking and about. And so today. it starts with this foundational with shifting the, the communication patterns. And then once we get parents through the training in sanity school, then we often move them into group coaching or private coaching where they can start to practice. Mm-hmm. But but one of the things Diana and I have figured out in the last couple of years is that information is not enough. Yeah. And so often parents get, a kid gets diagnosed and the parent gets referred to, you know, Chad or, or NRC or Anderson, wherever they get sent. Great resources. Right. They're all information. Yeah, We do great webinars. Mm -hmm. It's still information. Mm -hmm. You know, like at some point you have to figure out what am I going to do with that information? How how am I going to apply it in my life right now? Mm -hmm. And, And I truly believe like if every parent of any kind of a complex kid could just take sanity school, they would understand how to communicate better with their kid and set the whole dynamic up for more success in their family. So much more calm, so much more confidence, so much less stress. And it's not because we're so brilliant. It's because we took the foundational concepts of coaching and we made it really easy for parents to access. Mm-hmm. And and it really makes a difference. Like it's hundred oh, percent. You know? I can only imagine. Cause I, I just think about the, the years of, uh, of times or different times in the last few 19 years. Cause he's almost 19 right? where I just felt so alone and I felt like yeah. I didn't know what to do. And I felt like there wasn't anybody that could understand. And when we would go to therapy the therapist was not, I mean, he was nice, but not helpful because again, it was, here are the books you should read about, uh, you know, um, highly sensitive children. Here's the book you should read about this or whatever. And again, it's like, that's information. Great. But I'm not going to sit and read that book. And it was really hard to know what to do. And, and it was interesting that you say coaching because as a trained coach, I did find that I communicated much better with him right. if I put my coaching yeah. hat on and started asking questions. Exactly. Instead of and that doesn't mean them. you become their coach. No, 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 like no. We want Not parents to be yeah. their kids' parents. Right. But if you can bring these skills to your conversations, it changes everything. And, and part of what you just spoke to, so when you look at, Diane was talking about behavior management training. It's number one recommended treatment for kids with ADHD is for their parents to get training mm-hmm. in addition to medication, mm-hmm. right? Those are the two number one treatments. Most parents never get a referral for training. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. But But this part of what is included in the training. Part of it is shifting perspectives. We've been talking about that today. Part of that is teaching parents how to set up an environment that supports the child and fosters independence. We've been talking about that. And part of it is giving the parents access to a supportive community where they where they realize they're not alone and to a professional where they can get feedback. So like in sanity school, they get the six classes, but then they get three months of support in our community mm-hmm. where they get each other and they can call us twice a month. They can call in and talk to us and ask us questions and get laser coaching. Like, because that's 
what the treatment requires is that the parent get some support that's more than just putting your hand on the knob as you're walking out of your kid's therapist's office, right? right? That that five, 10 minutes well, is not sufficient. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, and I, and I think that, so there's a bunch of parents who are in the situation you are, Nikki, where it's just, you know, they get five minutes with a therapist here and there. There's a whole bunch of other parents that are on the internet at four in the morning, right. reading article after article, bouncing from podcast to podcast. And we both have yeah. podcasts. We both have mm-hmm. great podcasts. And they're bouncing from podcast to podcast. As a coach, all of us know that about 10% of change is about information. 90% of change is about practice. And if you're struggling to put these ideas that you're finding on the internet or the podcast or wherever else into practice, right. which is what most of us have trouble doing, partly because it's overwhelming to be a parent of complex kid, partly because a large number of us also have our own neurodiversity going on, which makes it hard for us to do stuff. Part of it is because it's just, it's overwhelming. It's hard to ask for help. Mm -hmm. It's freaky out. It's all all of these things, right? right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what parents need. They need information and they need help to put it into practice. And so that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's what we try really hard to do as affordably and accessibly as possible. Mm -hmm. Like we've been virtual for the whole time because we knew that parents didn't need one more office to drive to. Right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll absolutely get the links in the show yes. notes for uh, for this. Absolutely. And uh, also the podcast, Parenting yes. with Impact. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also anything else? I mean, good Lord, you guys are doing a lot. We, we do. <laughs> we, we Sometimes we think we're a little crazy, but mostly Diane thinks I'm a little crazy. <laughs> so it works. Well, it you works. Know, I am a little bit. But yeah, we have an amazing resource. Our website has is, is got a really robust award-winning yeah. blog. And but, but what I would say to parents above all else is give yourself permission to do a program like Sanity School, parents have this tendency to feel like if I've got a dollar to spend, I'm going to spend it on my kids. Mm-hmm. And and I, let me tell you that if you take just a little bit and spend it on you, it will make all those other dollars go a whole lot mm-hmm. further. Well, I just want to say thank you very much. I mean, just thank you for doing what you guys do, because this is something that uh, is so needed. And there's not a lot of resources out there where parents can go and and get this kind of support. And uh, thank you, both of you, for what you do. You're welcome. Thank you for that acknowledgement. I appreciate it. Thank you, uh, everybody, for hanging out with us and listening to the show and downloading the show. We sure appreciate your time and your attention. Uh, If you have something to contribute to the conversation and you weren't able to catch the live stream, make sure you head over to the Show Talk channel in the Discord server and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level. On behalf of the wonderful Diane Dempster and Elaine Taylor-Klaus, and of course... Nikki Kinzer. I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm-hmm.